Good morning. Good morning. Hello, everybody. And I know it's been said, but I hope that you guys had a really great uh, Thanksgiving weekend. Mine was really fun, so it was kind of nice to get a small break from some craziness and get to enjoy holidays, however they looked for you. As he mentioned, my name is Stacy, and I do have a small confession. And I think I've actually said it in here before, and I know high school students and middle school students all know this about me, but I am actually not a very big fan of Christmas. Like, I am not a Christmas elf. And I know that there are people, I heard people cheer about Christmas decor, getting to come out and, and all the festivities. And I love that there are people who love Christmas. I love the decorations and that there are people who get really excited about that. But it's just never been me, especially like a traditional Christmas experience, like carols or Christmas movies. Like, when I walk through Winter Haven to look at lights, I honestly spend the whole time thinking about how cold I am. And like, when it comes to hot cocoa, I don't get it. Like, I love chocolate milk and I love coffee and I do not understand why we would try to mix those two things. And for me, my all-time favorite Christmas movie to this day is Die Hard. And like, I know this about myself. Thank you, I heard that clap. But like, I know this about me. I embrace this about me. When I go to Christmas parties and ugly sweater parties, my ugly sweater is a Grinch onesie. And like, I, I know this. But... I also married a holiday elf. Like my Andy, my husband bleeds red and green and Christmas. And so when I came home Wednesday after work, he was in our house, he had pulled out our holiday decor, he had pulled out our Christmas tree, he had a Christmas movie playing, he was singing Christmas music, like Christmas was throwing up in my house. And I said to him, I was like, hey honey, you know it's not Thanksgiving yet. And like with the straightest face, he just says to me, he goes, yeah, but I've waited long enough. <laughs> I was like, okay, got it. But like that night, because I'm a good sport in my Christmas decorated home, I sat with him and one of our best friends and I, um, we watched a Christmas movie that I had actually never seen before called It's a Wonderful Life. Like, I, I have never seen this Christmas movie, and I've kind of put it off because I don't normally like old movies, but you guys, it was awesome. Like, Die Hard is still my number one. Please don't mishear me. I see you. But it was actually really good. It had, like, it was interesting. It had an interesting plot. Jimmy Stewart is so handsome, and he's a good actor. I was really surprised how much I liked that movie. And if you're like me and you haven't seen it, you should, but... Basically, that movie is about this dude, this gentleman named George Bailey. And George Bailey's life is not going the way that it was supposed to. It's not going the way he expected it to. And he has this particularly difficult, disappointing day. And he just comes to the end of his rope and he actually decides he's gonna go take his own life. And in this moment, his very non-traditional guardian angel named Clarence shows up. And in an effort to like encourage George Bailey and show him that his life still has meaning, he decides he's gonna show him what his world would have looked like if he had never been born. And that's kind of the rest of the movie. But I loved this quote that Clarence the guardian angel said. I even wrote it down because I thought it was so important. He says, um, George, you have been given a great gift. You've been given the chance to see what the world would be like without you. 
And I love that Clarence called this a gift. I mean, George Bailey had gotten so caught up in what he thought life was supposed to look like and how it was falling short that he just started missing meaningful moments happening all around him. He forgot these moments that he'd had with his community and his loved ones and his family through his life. So it really was a gift to go back and to see what might have felt like something so small to him actually made this huge impact for so much in his community and in his world. And I just have this wonder if George missed these moments because they lacked significance to him. They seemed so small. And I wonder how often we fall into that. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but in this like decade that has been the year of 2020, I have found myself feeling like I just do not have anything left. Like, I don't have time, I don't have money, I don't have resources, I don't have the ability to focus, I don't have any attention span left. I just don't have anything extra to give. And I find myself maybe kind of like George did of looking at how small what I have is and thinking, what impact could this possibly hold? What impact could this possibly make on the world around me? And because of that, we wanted to do a series, Miles mentioned, called Small Moments. And last week, Glenn started this series. He started this conversation. And he talked about this story from the Old Testament where this widow doesn't have a lot of oil left, but God does a miracle and multiplies her oil. And what Glenn talked about is two things. He said, look, God can do a lot with your little. With God, our little can have a huge impact. But he also said, sometimes we are called on to carry other people's burdens. And we're actually called to invest what little we might have into others and trust that God is going to do a big thing with that. And so this week, we're going to continue this conversation of small moments. And we are actually going to spend this morning in Matthew 13. So if you want, you can turn there. That's where we're going to spend our day. But just so that we kind of understand what's happening when we get ready to read these verses, when it comes to Matthew 13, Jesus has started his ministry, and he's kind of becoming a bigger and bigger deal. People are learning about this very different teacher named Jesus, and he speaks differently than other teachers. He speaks with this authority, and he says different things, like he's the son of God, and he, he heals people, and he casts out demons, but then he sits and he has these meals with people that would have been outcasts or sinners or forgotten, and he's just so different that people are starting to travel from all over to get to hear him and to get to learn from him and get to experience this very different teacher named Jesus. And so this crowd of people have shown up, normal, everyday, farmers, peasants, maybe women and children have shown up to hear Jesus. So he has them stand on a shore while he gets in a boat to be able to better speak to this crowd. And he's starting to talk to them in parables. He's starting to talk to them in these stories that may seem small at first, but if we sit in them and we study them, they actually have a lot to tell us. So starting in verse 31 of chapter 13 in Matthew, he says, Jesus told them another parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and he planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And it'll become a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. 
And he told them still another parable. He said, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and then mixed into a large amount of flour until it had worked all the way through the dough. So that I could better understand some of the things happening in this parable. I actually went to our spice rack and I was very surprised. We actually had yellow mustard seed. And you know what? If I can grab like one or two of these things, Jesus wasn't kidding. Like this is a very, very small seed. And I started thinking about that because I heard this story this week from people who go here to Cassis and are part of our Cassis community. And they shared this story that they're getting ready to do some work on their house. And so they had a contractor come in um, to give them a quote of what it's gonna cost to do this construction and to do this addition that they're looking at. And while this contractor's walking around the house, he sees this poster that talks about their faith in God. So he says, you know, I go to church and I believe in God too. So of course this starts some kind of conversation about life in that moment. And this contractor begins telling them, you know, I moved here from Texas and man, has COVID and this experience of restrictions just kind of rocked my world this year. And he starts sharing with them about how different the holidays looked. For him, they just felt distant, just not able to travel and visit family the way that he normally would have and spend time with people who matter in his world. And he starts sharing stories of people he knew who had to do Thanksgiving over Zoom and people that he knows who have loved ones that might be in like adult care homes. So they haven't actually been with their person except on the other side of a window for like seven to nine months and just, how distant that made everything feel. And he started talking about these food lines and how people are struggling to even have food for the holidays and being able to provide for their family and how everything just starts to feel kind of overwhelming for him. But then he opened up and he said, you know, while everything feels so big and overwhelming, I find church to have been different this year too. Like I kind of find church to be smaller, or to be limited. And I just find that I'm not having this experience of the kingdom of God that I once had. And when we talk about the kingdom of God in here, what we're talking about is when Jesus prayed on earth as it is in heaven. We're talking about those moments that we get a glimpse of heaven right here. Times when people step up and they serve each other. Times that we forgive, times that we experience peace and love and joy and acceptance. Just those times that heaven really collides with our right now, collides with our earth. And this gentleman was saying, you know, I just haven't had that experience of heaven this year. And I wonder, much like that, that contractor, how many of us walk in, how many of us join online and we're kind of saying, you know, I feel the same way. Everything out there feels kind of big and kind of overwhelming. And, and I just feel like God or the kingdom of God has shrunk down to be about this size, the size of a mustard seed. And it hasn't always felt that way, but it's just shrunk down this last year, these last few years. And I start looking at this thing this kingdom of God that seems so small. And I wonder what impact can this have on everything else? What significance can this hold amidst everything else that's going on when it feels so small and it feels so limited? And that's what I wanna talk about this morning. I want us to kind of explore and see when our perspective says that the kingdom of God is about this big. What is God's reality? What has he promised us? Because I think these parables point to Jesus telling us, actually the kingdom of God is always present and it's always growing. It might 
look different than you are expecting, and it might take some time before it's revealed to us what's going on, but it is always there growing and moving and impacting people's lives. So when we look back at his first parable that he shares, he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that a man took and planted in the field. And though it's the smallest of the seeds, when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants becoming a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. So this, this last week, because of this parable, I've actually kind of been learning a lot about mustard seeds. And so I want to share a few of the things that I've learned about mustard seed. One, it is not actually the smallest of seeds. There are a lot of seeds out there. Even though this is itty bitty, there's a lot of seeds out there that are smaller. However, Jesus is talking to these maybe farmers and probably people who are uneducated, people who might be illiterate. So he's talking to them in a way that they're going to understand because they are surrounded by mustard seeds. That grows all around their area. So they know exactly what he's talking about when he says something so small to become so significant. They know what he's referencing. But then Jesus kind of gets like a little, I don't know, silly, a little absurd when he's talking to them about what to do with this mustard seed. Because he starts talking about a farmer who throws it in his garden, who throws it in his field. But mustard's considered to be a weed. And like, I don't know many gardeners and many farmers who intentionally go out and plant and sow weeds amongst all of their vegetables and all of the stuff that they're growing. And then on top of that, when mustard does develop and it becomes a bush or a tree, it actually drops a lot of extra seeds all around it, which is what attracts birds. The birds come and eat the seeds in the mustard plant. And last time I checked, gardeners and farmers don't like birds being attracted to their crop and to the things that they're growing. That's why we have scarecrows. And so clearly Jesus is not just giving us a botany lesson when it comes to the mustard seed. And so to better understand what he's explaining to us about the kingdom of God in that moment, I actually want to take us back to Matthew 12. Matthew 12 is probably happening maybe a day or two before he shares these parables with the people. And what we see is we see Jesus walking through a field and he's walking through a field with his disciples, with his closest followers, and they're beginning to get hungry. And so they start picking heads of grain in order to eat and snack on in this moment, but they're doing it on the Sabbath. And the Sabbath was this sacred day that you were not supposed to do any work, including picking heads of grain in order to eat while you walk through the field. And so there are these people standing nearby called the Pharisees. And you might have heard this word before. The Pharisees were like the religious leaders, the religious elite of this time. And so everybody else thought, and they thought, that they knew everything there was to know about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and how God worked. So when they see these disciples picking heads of grain on the Sabbath, they're like, you can't do that. That's breaking a rule. You cannot break a rule of the kingdom of heaven and then claim that you are the son of God, claim that you're gonna teach us about this kingdom of heaven. You can't do that. And then right after that, Jesus actually walks into a synagogue and there's a man there who we're told has a shriveled hand and he comes up and he asks Jesus to heal him. And once again, the Pharisees are like, who is this guy? He claims he's gonna be this religious leader. He claims to be this son of God. And yet here he is once again, breaking a rule in the kingdom of heaven. And so they say, so Jesus, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Thinking that they're gonna trap him. 
And what this reminds me of this moment, and honestly, anytime I read about the Pharisees reminds me of this moment, but um, when I used to work in middle school, like a number of years ago, when we would go on trips, I had this favorite song that I loved to teach middle schoolers at night. It was something silly and lighthearted just to kind of get their attention and get them ready for whatever else we were going to do that night on the trip. And so the way this song started is you have God and you put God or Jesus in a box, and the idea was then you sing about putting Jesus in your pocket, and then you're going to pull him out, you're going to show your friends, and then you put Jesus or God back in the box and back in your pocket. And like the twist in this silly song is then you talk about putting the devil in the box, and when you take him out, all the kids in the room are supposed to jump up and yell out, stomp his face while stomping on the ground. So when you're like 11 and 12, this is the best, because you get to yell, stomp his face in the middle of a church experience. It's just silly. But I always had a very favorite leader who hated this song. This song just like violated something for her and it made her so angry that I would teach it to other students every single trip because for her, she heard someone talking about, I am going to take God because I have control of God. I'm going to put him in this box. I'm going to put him in my pocket. And based on my agenda and what I think is going to work, I'm going to pull him out and show my friends when I want to, but then I'm going to put him back in my pocket. And for her, the concept of controlling God and he's going to fit your agenda was just so offensive. She'd get mad at me every single trip. I still sing it, but she'd get mad. But the truth is, that's what the Pharisees think. The Pharisees think, no. We have this all figured out. We know the rules. We know the answers. We know who's in and who's out. We know how you participate in the kingdom of heaven, and we know how you don't. We know who's welcome, and we know who is not. In a way, they think they control God. They think they have all the answers of this kingdom of God. So they look at Jesus, and they say, we know how this works, and therefore, we know you are not part of it. But like Jesus always does, he just breaks that understanding, and he flips it on his head. And he actually responds to them in Matthew 12. He says, I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned these innocents. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. And Jesus is saying, actually, your view of God, your understanding of his kingdom is incredibly narrow. It is incredibly small. It's about this big. When in reality, the kingdom of God is so much bigger. And what it is busy doing is the most unexpected things. Jesus tells us the kingdom of God, it may seem small sometimes, but it is really doing the most unexpected things as it grows and it works in people's lives. You know, the people listening to Jesus They did not think the kingdom of God was going to come from this obscure carpenter and his random band of followers and disciples from all over the place with all different kinds of educations, starting in the smallest little towns. That was not where the kingdom of God was supposed to start as this little mustard seed. But then it grew into this incredible kingdom and this credible movement that now circles the globe and crosses every wall we might, up, pit, we might put up. Every gender, every socioeconomic class, educated, not educated, every nation and every tongue is welcomed and included into this kingdom of God that started as little as a mustard seed. And it started in the most unexpected ways. And you know, I think about 
that contractor and that conversation that couple had with him in this house. Because when he shared about how he felt so overwhelmed and then how small this kingdom of heaven, this church experience had begun to feel for him, they shared, you know, sometimes we felt that way this last year too, but let me tell you something our church is doing. And they actually shared with their contractor about gifts of love. And they shared that while it kind of seemed small, they were so thankful that there was still this way to participate, to step into God's kingdom, to bring a little bit of heaven here on earth. And when they shared this with him, the contractor was so moved that he actually sat down. The guy who had come to their house to give them a quote on their work actually wrote them a check and instead handed that to them and said, you know, will you make sure a couple more families get adopted this season? I don't know if it's a lot, but I wanna do a little bit to participate in this kingdom of God. How unexpected is that moment? And it happens around us all the time. I work with students and back when they were on virtual school, they had to do a lot of Zoom. And I don't know if you're like me, but I hate Zoom so much. Thank you, I hate Zoom and so do a lot of my students. But they were sharing these stories that they would log on to Zoom to do their classes and they were meeting new students. They were meeting students who had just moved to Tucson so they didn't know anybody. And God used something as unexpected as Zoom and virtual learning because these students started inviting these new people to our Wednesday small groups. And students who didn't know anyone were showing up Wednesday night and they were experiencing the kingdom of God. They were experiencing acceptance. They were experiencing people excited to see them and making new friends and suddenly feeling a little more comfortable because sometimes the kingdom of God moves in the most unexpected ways. You know, when we do Christmas here at Cassis, I don't know how many of you have ever been in years before, but we have these characters that run around and we dress them up. They're dressed up like elves and we call them doughboys. And they have these tables where you get to like, they help little kids frost cookies between services. And my little brother, who's not so little, he's a junior in high school. So he's like real cool, right? But every Christmas, I convince my very cool little brother to show up, invite his friends, dress up like an elf, and hold one of these boards and help little kids frost cookies. And I have watched people dress up like reindeers and dance around Christmas trees. Someone actually bought this huge inflatable reindeer costume to stand in the plaza to greet people. And that is not how you would always expect the kingdom of God to show up. And yet every single year at Christmas at Cassis, I watch teenagers dress silly and people dressed up like Christmas trees create this environment of excitement. And I watch people walk on this campus and interact with a little bit of heaven on earth in the most unexpected ways. God is always showing up, but sometimes it's in unexpected places. And I just wanna ask you this morning, is it possible that God has shown up or is showing up in your life and in your community, maybe in a way that you're not expecting? Is he moving and working and expanding in a place that maybe you're just not looking because you just don't expect it to be there? Is it possible that maybe this year has been so different, so different with work, that you've created relationships and conversations with coworkers you didn't have before, and you suddenly have this new person that you can be praying for, maybe even someone new that you can be inviting to Christmas at Cassis? 
Is it possible that when our homes look so different, spouses working from home, kids home a lot more often, is it possible that God has given you conversations that you normally wouldn't have been able to engage in? Is it possible that you've had opportunities to show grace to others in ways that normally you would not have expected God to show up that way? The kingdom of God may look to us as small as a mustard seed, but God is saying the kingdom of God moves and grows, sometimes in the most unexpected ways. Are there ways around you that God is moving, just maybe in ways you wouldn't have expected? The second parable that uh, Jesus shared in Matthew 13, he said, um, the kingdom of heaven is like yeast. It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it had worked all the way through the dough. Now for me, I don't cook. I make a few weird things like cheesecake and frittata. I do those well, but that's like it. So in my house, my husband cooks, and one of the things that for some reason he's really good at is he makes really good pizza dough. I don't know why, but he's great at it. And so one of the things that I have learned from Andy as he bakes and from Paul Hollywood on Great British Bake Off is how important yeast is to making bread. Like this is an actual chemical reaction or enzymatic reaction that happens with yeast because it interacts after you work it all the way through with the sugars that are in the dough. And that's what creates the gas bubbles that make bread light and fluffy and makes pizza dough awesome. And it's also what helps break down or helps to develop gluten so that we can actually better digest bread and it's actually more nutritious for us. So yeast is incredibly necessary for bread. But it takes a lot of time and work for yeast to do its job. It takes time to work it all the way through the dough. It takes time for it to develop those gases, to develop the gluten, to become something awesome. It takes a lot of time. And we don't always see that happening. That's happening in a way that we may not be able to physically see it with the dough. And what Jesus is saying is sometimes the kingdom of God works that way. Sometimes the kingdom of God is moving in a way that we don't see, and it might take some time before it's revealed to us exactly what Jesus is doing, exactly how heaven is colliding into earth in that moment. You know, this would have been so hard for Jesus' listeners to understand. Jesus is not the first guy to show up and talk to them about this kingdom of God, about the kingdom of heaven. People have been talking about that for generations, but he is one of the first guys to show up and say, actually, it might be a little unexpected and it might take some time because people thought that the kingdom of God was gonna show up in a blaze. The Messiah was supposed to show up with a war cry and an army and defeat Rome and toss him out and establish this new kingdom, the way that people think of kingdoms with power and might and solidify their place in the world. That's what people thought was gonna be the kingdom of God and what people thought the Messiah was gonna do. So for Jesus to say, actually, it's going to start possibly as small as a mustard seed in this obscure, unexpected way, and it's going to take time. God is actually going to take the time to transform people's hearts and to spread across the whole world, and it's going to include a lot of people that you might not expect right now. Blew people's minds that that's how the kingdom of God would show up. You know, that contractor, he, when he sat down and he wrote that check, it might be easy for us, maybe easy for him, 
to look at that and think about how small that actually is. I mean, there's a lot of people in this world, and there's a lot of people who are hurting right now. And so to write a check and to adopt three families for Christmas, it's possible that we'd look at that and think how small that is. What kind of impact can that actually be? But imagine what God can do with that over time. Imagine what that does for those three families, for their extended family, for their community and their neighborhood and the kids that they go to school with right now. Imagine what that does over time for the kids who are part of that family to be able to tell over and over of this time that someone showed up, they didn't even know us, and they bought us Christmas. It was the only chance we had to have Christmas. Let me tell you this story. Imagine what God can do, what the kingdom of God can do over time with something that might seem so small or seem so insignificant. But sometimes the kingdom of God needs time to grow, and we don't always get to see how that's working. You know, I've mentioned, obviously, I work with teenagers, and so when we bring on new small group leaders, one of the first things that I tell them is I'm like, I love students and I love kids, but do not expect, as a small group leader, you are gonna always have these moments of like rocking a teenager's world. Like don't think that everything, every single small group is gonna be this big spiritual conversation and you're gonna forever change that kid. Because some of them are 17, invincible, and know everything. And so when it comes to being a small group leader, I tell them all the time, it's about those small moments. When you show up to small groups with teens, you you say, I'm going to show up to the events. I'm going to show up to the trips. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to send them texts throughout the week. And I am going to trust that over time, that student is going to have an experience of the kingdom of God. That student is going to experience Christ's freedom and Christ's love and grace and acceptance. And I might not get to see it because it might happen when they're outside of high school, but I am gonna trust that over time, these small moments are gonna turn into something big and life-changing, just like that contractor trusted when it came to that check. But I know for some of us, we're a little impatient right now. We're thinking, you know, actually I've been doing those small moments and I am ready for it to turn into something. I am ready for the bread to work. I have done the effort and I want the bread now. But I want you to know and I want you to be encouraged. Just like yeast is working its way through the dough, whether you can see it or not, it might take time, but God promises the kingdom of God is growing and expanding. It might be in an unexpected way and it might take time, but trust that it is here and it is moving. And that's actually my third point for this morning. And it's simply to trust the kingdom of God, to bet on it, to choose it, to participate in that kingdom of God. You know, when mustard seeds become mustard plants and mustard trees, it doesn't blow our minds. Like it doesn't come across as this incredibly miraculous thing. When yeast, given time and worked properly through dough, does what it's supposed to do with the air bubbles and the rising of the bread, we are not shocked beyond belief because honestly, that's what it's supposed to do. Like that's its nature. It's supposed to do that thing. And just like mustard seeds and just like yeast, the kingdom of God is something that we can trust. It's in its nature to be present and growing and all around us and something that we can always be participating in, even in small moments. You know, it's not long after these parables that Jesus talks to these people on the shore 
that we read about Jesus being arrested and tried and crucified. And his people, his closest followers thought, this is it. It's over. The kingdom of God has shrunk to be so small, so insignificant, it's over. What difference can this make now? It wasn't three days later before a risen savior, having conquered death, showed up unexpectedly to show them, actually, it just looks different than you thought it would. The kingdom of God is very much alive and very much happening right now all around you. And you know, it wasn't much long after that, that Stephen, who was a follower of this and and talked about Jesus to people and he shared his faith and he was actually stoned to death in front of a crowd and it scattered anyone who believed in God, anyone who was following Jesus, it scattered them around the known world and they began to be hunted and persecuted and arrested. And so many thought then, this is it. There is no kingdom of God. There is nothing left. It is so small and shrunk down. What significance could this have? And it wasn't but 100 years later that the kingdom of God, this movement who believed in Jesus Christ, had grown to such a number, to such an impact, that it was brought to the attention of Caesar saying, hey, there's this way, this people who talk about Jesus Christ, and there's a lot of people being attracted to this kingdom of God. Sometimes the kingdom of God has moved in unexpected ways and sometimes it has taken a lot of time before we actually see what the kingdom of God is doing. But it has proven itself time and time again through history and in our own lives that really the kingdom of God is right there for us. Something that we can trust and bet on and make a choice to participate in. So I just wonder, for those of us where the kingdom of God feels about the size of a mustard seed, for those of us who are impatient, I ask that we keep stepping into that kingdom of God. We keep trusting that heaven is colliding with earth, that we are experiencing heaven, maybe in unexpected places, maybe in ways that take some time before it's actually revealed. But the truth is is, there are people all around us, maybe in this room, maybe in your community and in your family, and they need to experience a little bit of heaven right now. Like the birds who need to find a safe place to land on that mustard tree, they need to know that God loves them. God might know their name, that God has acceptance and grace for them. So I just ask that we would be people, even when it's tough, that we would trust that that we would keep stepping into that kingdom of God and believing just like Jesus shares in these parables and just like we've seen through history, it's still there and growing and expanding. Now I'm gonna pray for us this morning. Um, And when I'm done, Andy Thomas is actually gonna come back up here and he is gonna share a little bit of something about Christmas at Cassis. But uh, please join me for prayer this morning. Hey God, Lord, thank you so much for how much you love us. Thank you so much for the ways that you keep stepping into our story. It might be unexpected and it might take time, God, but I'm thankful for that. And I pray that you would give us your eyes, that you would give us your patience, that you would help us to trust you even when it can seem so overwhelming, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen.